Greetings. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 25 of the Legacy Drawing Board, the podcast journey experience that wants you to build a stronger, more meaningful legacy by embracing good design principles. I'm your host, Ron Fong. Why should we take the time and effort to build good legacies? The reason is, is that we are, we all have meaningful and impactful stories to tell. However, we don't need better stories. We need to be better storytellers. When I speak of being a better storyteller, I'm talking about having a clear beginning, middle, and end. Being concise and being consistent in your messaging. And being able to take away the distractions or the extraneous material from your story in order that your audience member could focus on what you have to say. And you all have meaningful stories. And that takes me to my first interview for the podcast. I'm very happy to interview a dear friend, Oma Rastami, who's the co-owner for Life Options for Seniors. And this is an expansion of Voices and Vignettes. She has an inspiring and compelling legacy story. The chapters of her story include being a war refugee, an entrepreneur, business owner, wife, mother, and philanthropist. And the amazing thing is that when I first asked Oma to be a guest, she didn't think that she had a story that was worth telling. Now, let us hear Oma share her story. Well, I'm very pleased to have my first guest for the podcast, uh, Oma Rostami. Oma is the co-owner of Life Options for Seniors. She's a certified administrator for residential care facilities uh, for the elderly. Life Options for Seniors serves the greater Sacramento area, helping individuals, families, and healthcare professionals manage the complexities of senior care. Oma, welcome to the Legacy Drawing Board. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right. I think uh, full disclosure, uh, Oma and I have known each other close about 20 years now. <laughs> yes, a little over 20 years. So I've had the pleasure of actually watching you develop from a young lady. And I think you're still a young lady, <laughs> but in terms of a young lady with maturity now. And I think your arc or your story is just fascinating. And when do you remember when I first asked you to be a guest on the podcast, you said, why are you asking me? I got nothing to say. Yes, that's people? exactly how I felt. Well, and, and then I had to remind you, I had to remind you of your life, Oma. So this is the back of the envelope, sort of baseball card statistics of you, your life, Oma. Uh, refugee from Afghanistan, settling in the United States, learning a new way of life. You're an entrepreneur and a business owner. You're a wife and a mother. And you're a philanthropist because I know you do a great deal of fundraising for seniors in need. So uh, I think, I mean, that's almost all the entire interview. And yet, upon reflection, do you still think that you got nothing to say? Um, you know, I guess that's your gift is you kind of make us reflect a little and realize um, what we have accomplished. Uh, I guess I never looked at it as something that big or that exciting that other people want to hear about it. It was just me. It was just what I'd done. And um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to share my story, but I, I just never thought it was anything interesting. Let's just say that. Okay. What is your definition <clears throat> of legacy? That's, I mean, that's a great question. It's something that you really have to think about. And I think if you had asked me this when we first met, it would have been a different answer. <laughs> and, and it is now. 
Um, I think for me, it's always a little bit of what you leave behind, right? Um, for me, again, it's it's my son. I know this sounds cliche, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, but I think my son is the most beautiful gift that I could give to the world because he's taught me so much about myself. Um, but it's also, I think he, he's also like a little mirror sometimes, right? You, it kind of helps you to reflect on yourself because everything you do, they mimic, and you kind of have to step back a little bit and realize, oh gosh, is that is that what I do? Is that how I make people feel? Is that what I sound like? So he's helped me to grow so much as an individual, as an entrepreneur too, as a, um, especially because I work with older adults. He's taught me how to be patient. Um, and I think being patient with him and my clients kind of makes me realize my own privileges in life. So I, I guess I could say, you know, he's my biggest legacy. He's the, I think he's the best thing I can leave to the world when I, if I have to leave this world now. Again, I gave sort of a back of the envelope, you know, brief outline of your life, the bullet points, but what moments <laughs> in your life do you, th do you think defined your legacy? Wow. Well, my legacy being my son <laughs> would be the day when I, you know, I think when I first found out I was pregnant, I don't know if I ever told you I had a couple of miscarriages. I'm not mm. sure if we ever talked about that, but um, I think the day he was born and they just kind of handed him to me and you realize you have this, you know, you're responsible for a little human being that you created. Um, it's, it's scary, honestly. I mean, I've been to two different countries, learned you know, different languages, started my own business. I don't think I was ever as scared as when they handed me my child um, because you want to, everything to be perfect for them you want to be perfect for them um so it was this it was the most beautiful and scary moment of my life I think I was feeling all sorts of emotions so I guess that's when it kind of started and then again it's it's sort of kind of sets the tone like okay I have to be the best person I could be for this human being that I he's my responsibility I brought him into this world and then you want him to kind of see the best of you um, and give give him the best of you, let's say that. Um, so I, I guess you could say it started when my son was born. Okay. That was the moment. Prior to that, you but you, you had a life. And can you kind of share with us what it was, your experience, you know, being a refugee from Afghanistan? Um, gosh, I haven't talked about that in a long time. Um, it was interesting. I think, you know, for most people that have been in a, war-torn country, things are very different. Uh, life is very different, obviously. You do appreciate life differently, but I think growing as a, as a child, you always felt like somehow it was your fault because I couldn't really understand everything. Um, I, you know, I remember this very vividly. Um, there was a bombing and when we woke up, our neighbors didn't have their parents. And part of me was very, happy that I still had my mom and my brothers and at that moment you feel so guilty because how can you be happy that someone had just died mm -hmm. uh, but that's when you get a little confused right you realize you're okay is this happening to me in my country because I'm a bad person am I a bad person because I'm happy that my family's alive and someone else's family died so I guess that was you know and a lot of the kids that I talked to my family and some of the kids from Afghanistan, you don't realize that trauma. And I haven't talked about this in a while, so please excuse me. But um, 
so it's 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 the guilt you know being a refugee is, why is this happening to me and and you feel like nobody cares nobody cares it's what's happening to you and you only have your little family but um a lot of uh, grown-up things that you have to deal with at a young age um you're obviously the only thing you care about is survival <laughs> and of course you're always a little afraid of going to sleep because I think for me, the worst thing wasn't that I would die. It was that I would wake up and my mom and my brothers wouldn't be with me because I had already lost my dad. Sure. And mm -hmm. so losing another loved one was very, very, uh, a lot more traumatic. So it was hard to go to sleep at night, um, but we got through it. And I think a lot of times I love, I had such a strong mom. She was such a strong woman. She really, she's taught me so much. Um, and if it wasn't for her, I don't know what we would do, but you know, she showed us how to be strong and she told us that stuff like this happens, unfortunately, and it's how you deal with it that kind of helps you in the long run have some coping mechanism because life is going to throw a lot of stuff at you and you have to be able to deal with it, learn from it and move on. Um, and so I've always looked at life that way. And That, that experience, uh, how has it helped you connect with people perhaps in similar situations? Um. It's still so different, honestly, because e even though even my cousins, they've had worse experience than I've had. Um, I think they've they've seen more dead bodies. They've they experienced war more at you know um, closer proximity than I had. Um, but it's helped me become a little more empathetic. Uh, it's it's helped me to realize that we all go through things in life. We all have our traumas. We all have our baggages. And so it's helped me to be more mindful and realize that everyone has their story. Everyone has been through something in life. Um, it's definitely helped me as a mother and as a care manager <laughs> to be more patient with, um, with my clients. But it's as I'm talking to you, it's, it's, also, it's also helped me realize that I haven't really opened up that part of me. I haven't talked about this in, gosh, over 30 years. Um, so you just asking that one question <laughs> brought up so much memory and so much emotion. And obviously, I think I still need to deal with it. Um, but we all come with baggage. And, you know, we just have to be a little kinder and patient and realize that there's a lot of trauma that people have been through. And you may have worked that out or, you know, or you may not have. And that's OK. So. Well, thanks for sharing that, Alma. And I know I, I suspect I can say I know that could be very difficult and bring back obviously unpleasant memories but at the same time they're helping shape they shaped you of who you are they do yeah like I said it's it's just helped me you know at a young age you kind of like I said you learned that life is not always going to be fair or fun um and how you deal with it you know it's sort of like that saying when life knocks you down you get back up it really that's what my mom's taught me is learning how to cope with life um so whatever it was, it was something that I had to go through. I always felt like God never gives you more than what you can handle. And whether it's an experience or a person, it happens to you for a reason. What are you supposed to learn from it? Um, and for me, I learned that life is precious. It's beautiful. And that, you know, God saved me from so many millions of Afghans. He helped me escape Afghanistan. We went to Pakistan. And then from there, I was able to be sponsored and come to America and I was given this life for a reason, right? And what I do back with this beautiful gift that I was given is my gift back to God. So it's, that's how I look at it. Well, very well put.
like most of us, you began work working for someone. Yeah. And, and unlike most of us, you started your own business. What <laughs> Was there any turning point, any big aha moment, any inflection where you said, I'm I'm not going to work for anyone anymore. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to work for myself. Any epiphany? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to have some amazing, wonderful people in my life, some wonderful bosses. Um, and I was also, uh, you know, when I started my business, I was 26. So I thought I, know, I knew a lot more than I, I did, you know, now reflecting back on it. Um, there was a lot that I felt that I could do um, on my own where working for someone you're kind of restricted as to how much time you spend with somebody or how much time you spend giving back to the community or, or how you spend your time period. And, and I was never happy about that. I always felt like I would give them some great ideas. And every time we come up with great ideas, it was like, okay, what about the cost? It was always about the money. And I'm not saying it can't be at the money about the money. We need money. Of course, I make money doing my job, but I knew that I had to also love my job, that it can't be just about the money. And, and I also, at that point, naively thought that my ideas were better too. And that <laughs> why make someone else richer? You know, I'm, I'm doing all the hard work and someone's reaping the benefit. So why would I work for somebody? Um, I've never been the type that never questioned anybody. Uh, I was ne I've never been afraid to speak my mind if I disagreed with anything. Um, and, and I think in corporate America, sometimes, especially when a woman does that, you know, we, we're kind of labeled a little differently. If a man speaks up, he's being brave, but if a woman speaks up, it's, you're being aggressive. Um, so I think a lot of times, sometimes they would make those comments that I didn't like. Um, and I knew, I knew my, you know, uh, I knew the job, I knew the job and I had the people skill. <laughs> Um, I was a little too confident at that time, but I knew this is something I wanted to do is my dream of like, I know what I want to do. I, I like being in the senior care industry. I don't like the way that these companies I work for are doing it. I know I could do it better. It's going to take some time, but I know I could do it better. And I just kind of had to go for it. Um, I was scared, but again, kind of having been through everything I went through, you also realize like life's too short. Again, I was given this gift. What am I going to do with it? Am I going to go after my dreams and conquer my fears and just go for it or just let fear stop me? Um, and I didn't, so I just, I, I don't sound, I make it sound simple, but <laughs> I thought a lot about it. Um, and I, I just started my business. I literally like thought about it for two weeks and then just woke up that day. I'm like, okay, today's the day. I can't keep thinking about it, it's, you know. Uh, I'm going to go today and I'm going to file for business. I'd already talked to someone who was interested in coming and joining me, uh, my business partner, Sue Hoppy. Um, we had talked about it a couple of times and she was a little hesitant, but once I said I'm in, she was in too. So it kind of worked out. You were 26 when you made the decision to be an entrepreneur, to start your own business. Yes. And your business involved really relations, service with seniors you were not someone who's going to go into dot com and build the next whatever amazon google whatnot you're going to have to meet with people meet with families and uh work with again seniors people in a much different stage in your life uh, that's just you know this day and age when i hear about younger individuals starting their something their business, they want to be influencer, they want to get so many likes and so forth, YouTube, this and this. 
and you know what you do is when I, I say this, it's it's not glamorous, and I don't mean to be dismissive. No, of that's it, okay. But, yeah. but 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 no one's going to say, "Hey, wake up, goes you know, see a video." Goes, I want to be a senior care consultant, or maybe there are. <laughs> Um, you know, and, and I, I was obviously when I was young, I never thought that I would be a senior care manager either. Um, so for me, um, as you know, I wanted to become a physician assistant initially. And as I was doing my clinical hours at Kaiser, I got exposed, you know, to different aspects of the senior care industry. From Kaiser, I worked at Eskaton. Um, and a lot of the part of my job as a, a, a discharge planning assistant was to talk to the patients and kind of understand what, uh, why they're there, what happened, what can we do to help them uh, take preventative measures when they go home, right? So maybe because we wanted to make sure we're reducing hospital readmission, or we tried to as much as we could. Um, and then also explain their Medicare rights to them. So that was part of my job. And majority of the patients were older adults. Um, and I think as I got to talking with them, I realized they always taught me something, you know, um, as a 21 year old, a 22 year old at the time when I started, you know, my biggest worry at that time was, oh my God, does my hair look okay? <laughs> or I'm having a bad hair day. And you go and you talk to someone who fell, who has a hip fracture and, you know, he's still smiling. He's still being kind. And you just, it just kind of helps you put things in perspective. And I think if you're open and, and sort of wise enough, you kind of you learn from that and they, they they taught me a lot so um and i knew I, I wanted to work with that population um and then when i went to eschaton again i was primarily working with older adults um and then from eschaton eschaton is a skilled nursing facility and then from there i got a job um and i was working two years i worked uh, with kaiser for five years but i was working with kaiser and eschaton around the same time uh, so i worked part-time for kaiser part-time for eschaton and then I needed to make a little money and I was approached by Accent Care to come and be their marketing director for in-home care. So again, it's all in the senior care industry, but I was exposed to different aspects of the senior in care industry. <clears throat> and I saw what was lacking, you know, that in the hospital, you just know one thing and that's all they teach you in a skilled setting. There's just, you know, everyone's sort of like have this narrow tunnel vision. And then you go home and we're so quick to be like, okay, you're here for a hip replacement. Let's figure that out. We're sending you with some home health and, um, you know, and that's it. And everyone's just ready to get rid of you. We're, we're kind of quick to put a Band-Aid over something. Nobody really sat down and really get to the bottom of, okay, this person has been in the hospital four times. We tried to reduce the hospital readmission, but we still don't even know what's going on. Um, you know, as a care manager, once we, we do more of a psychosocial assessment, so we get to the root of things like, okay, well, Joe fell, you know, why did he fall in the first place? Um, was it because he forgot his medication? Or why did he forget his medication? Did he not eat? Why did he not eat? Or because his wife recently passed away, he's been depressed. So just kind of getting to the bottom of what's really happening with a client and kind of bringing in the services that they actually need. That's the only way you could help take preventative measures. Uh, at a hospital setting, like I said, I get it as a doctor in the hospital, you're just there like, okay, what's physically hurting? What can I physically see that's wrong with you so I can take care of, the rest is up to you. But when you don't get to the bottom of why that really happened, you're not really solving the problem. Again, like I said, you're just kind of putting a Band-Aid over it. And that's what I saw in the senior care industry. And so care management was something that I felt 
for me at that time and, and now too, is something that's like sort of like the gap between all of these, that the bridges all the other senior care um, and, and just kind of uh, helps to put a more comprehensive care plan together uh, to really help my clients. Great insight. I think you're uh, wise beyond your years because of your encounters. One of the things that has always struck me about the entrepreneur, the business owner, what's the responsibility feel like of making payroll that you know that you are responsible for someone's livelihood? Oh, gosh, um, that's tough. That's hard. <laughs> um, we you know, it, it's me and my business partner, and we only have two other individuals working for us. Um, but 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 that's difficult be, because when they come on to you, you feel like you're making this promise to them that you're going to take care of them, and so you have to make sure that there's enough business where you can pay them. Um, so that's that's a little daunting. At, at a young age, I was you know that was a little scary for me. But um, I think at the end of the day, if you do right by your patients, you know, you, you know what you're doing and you get people that have the same heart and the same outlook as, you know, as far as what they want to accomplish in their career and their life, um, you'll always have business. I, I, in, in our industry, there's enough business going around. As long as you know what you're doing and you do right by your clients, you're going to have longevity in this business. Um, so I think after the first four or five years, I was okay because I realized that we're doing a good job and, um, we're fortunate enough where our clients trust us. And we kind of, we have the same clients referring us to friends and families. And, um, a lot of the clients that we work five, six, seven years ago, still save my card, which is the biggest compliment they can give me, um, and refer, refer that because their experience was good with our company. So um, scary and daunting, but at the same time, like I said, when you know that you're doing the right thing and you know you're doing a good job, there is some job security there. You you have you have a tremendous amount of perspective and insights because you work with seniors, and not only the seniors but their families. You get to see family dynamics on a daily basis, and oftentimes we think about legacy as towards more towards the end of our life. Uh, we also, we think about legacy when we're talking about a person perhaps at a funeral, or we're talking about a person's legacy when we have a retirement party for them. What, what have you seen in terms of all your experiences? What are some examples of good legacy building? And what are some examples of legacy building that kind of went sideways? I think what I see the most, what people feel like their legacies, what they leave behind is, is uh, it has to do with monetary value. And, and that kind of saddens me, really, um, because they're so focused on, and, and I understand where they're coming from. You know, uh, their job kind of defines them, how much money they make define them, uh, what people's perception of them. It, it's not how they made people feel. It's more how, uh, what people think of them. It's important that people thought that they were successful, that they were, um, they did something with their lives. Um, <clears throat> I don't often hear, once in a while, I have this amazing, wonderful clients uh, where they, you know, I'm fortunate where they share their stories with me of how much they have touched other people's lives. And, and 
and they don't tell me they never share that they never say that I did this for so and so I did this it's always their family members it's always their friends and for me that's a legacy that's what he's leaving behind he's made such a huge difference in so many people's lives and he sort of helped them or guide them in the right path um, and what a beautiful way to leave this world right is, is to help change someone else's life but unfortunately like I said, most people are just so focused on their house, the money, and what they what they leave behind for their kids. Not what they taught their kids, but how much money they're leaving behind for their kids. Um, not that it's right or wrong, in my opinion, you know, not something I'm focused on, let's say. Um, they kind of forget the big picture. They're so worried about talking to their attorney and, uh, and making sure they have a living trust and that this money goes here, this money goes there, that they're not spending that time with their family, not having that quality with the grandkids, with their son, just letting them know like, hey, I love you. I don't know what I'm gonna leave you behind, but I want you to know that this is what you meant to me in my life and this is how you changed my life. So there's not a lot of communication or heartfelt communication, um, especially when I have clients on hospice. Um, you would think at that time is when you become a little reflective realizing, okay, Yes, we all know we're mortal, but I know I'm going to be dying in the next few months. You know, you expect people to be a little different, maybe a little kinder, nicer, more forgiving. Um, and sometimes they're not. They're, you know, they're just, they are the way they are and that's okay. Um, and, and their legacy is more, this is how much money I made and this is the house I'm leaving. And this is, you know, this is what I'm leaving behind is the money, the amount of money for my kids. And that's what's important to them. You made a very clear distinction, the difference between an inheritance and a legacy. Are you going to leave your children or the, you know, your loved ones? Are you going to leave them an inheritance or are you going to leave them a legacy? I think we talked about this many times when, depending on which generation the individual grew up, that it was important. That was the expectation. I was going to leave something tangible. I was going yeah. to leave assets to my children. At the same time, they're missing the opportunity to take care of themselves, to have maybe perhaps a better quality of life because they don't want to sell the house. And, and again, I, I hear what you're saying. There is no right decision because there's a decision that person feels comfortable. That's the right decision. And the children will beg their parents. We don't want anything. Don't, yeah. you know, you, you know, please don't leave anything behind because we're going to feel guilty mm -hmm. that we're inheriting this or these assets that we didn't liquidate. And we're going to have, it's going to be a reminder of all the times in which perhaps you could have used that for, you know, X, Y, and Z. Uh, we talked about that dynamics. And do you see, I mean, is that dynamics, did that get resolved? Or is it pretty much, you know, parents are saying, nope, I'm not going to sell my house. Nope, I'm not going to liquidate my assets. I'm going to leave this behind for my kids. So it's not just always parents, believe it or not. So I, I, it, you meet so many different families and different dynamics, and it just kind of helps you realize what kind of parents that individual was. Because most of the kids, believe it or not, want their kid, their parents to sell the house, and they want that inheritance, as you said. Yeah. They want that money. They feel like they're owed. Oh, my That's goodness. That's the sad part. They, they're like, well, you know, I know my dad always wanted to give my son this, and, and he needs, my son needs this. My son's going to school, and he needs money for college. And I have to remind them, okay, but your dad also needs money for his care. Your son has the time to make a life for himself. You and your husband are working. You could figure out how to, you know, borrow money to help for your son's education. But your dad needs this care. 
Um, so a lot of times it's a little frustrating because, and these are the individuals that actually have a lot of money, um, but they will want the assets. They want the assets. They want that inheritance. They sell the house. <laughs> they force their parents to sell the house. And then they put them on Medi-Cal and they, they're forced to live in a skilled nursing facility, a very mm -hmm. institutional kind of setting. Um, while we as taxpayers are paying for it. So you get all sorts of family members. And then you have the other ones where, as you said, they're literally begging their parents, please, we don't need the money. I want you to take care of yourself. Um, and and uh, as parents, those are the ones that feel like they have to leave something behind. They, like you said, they feel like they've worked so hard and they want to make sure that when they leave, that their kids are comfortable. And, and that says something about those parents as well, that their, their concern isn't so much themselves. It's to make sure that their children, because they still feel some responsibility to their kids, regardless of how old they are, that they're comfortable and they're well taken care of. Um, so it, 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 you just have to sit down and tell them there's a way we could do both. <laughs> you know, let's take care of you because if we do sell the house, if we do X, Y, and Z, it, you know, then your children will have to take care of you. Uh, if we place you in an assisted living type facility and you've already, you know, uh, cashed out your house and, and passed the money around, there's always going to be one or two kids that are going to be financially responsible and taking care of your care or taking you on and, you know, living with them. So is that fair? Is that fair that maybe uh, that all the responsibility shifts onto one or two kids? Cause you're not going to, you know, it's never completely, um, not all the, all the kids will be taking care of mom and dad. It's usually one or two that end up doing the majority of the work. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot to it. I mean, every situation is so different, Dr. Fong, honestly. Um, so it's not like it's just one thing. I have to really, every time I'm sitting down and talking with my clients, there's always a family dynamic. There's so much that I have to consider. There's, you know, when we're doing the medical assessment, psychosocial assessment, family dynamics, financial assets, I have to take everything into consideration when I'm putting together a care plan and then give the family my professional advice and then how, you know, how they want to move forward with that is up to them. Um, but we see both sides. We see uh, some family members actually forcing parents to sell their home because they feel like that's owed to them, that that's their inheritance. And that's, and they keep reminding that's all you always wanted that. And, and then the opposite where we see kids that want the parents to utilize their assets and money and take care of themselves. So they don't have to worry about that because it gives them a peace of mind knowing that their parents are okay. And, and that's how I have to tell my, what I have to tell my clients. Well, Alma, I want to thank you very much for your time. I know that you are a very busy lady. And I think that most people that will listen to this will disagree with your initial assessment of, well, what's, you know, I have nothing to say. I think you have a great deal to say. And again, sharing so much of your life, uh, the good, the bad, and how it has shaped you and shaping your legacy. So again, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. And if, and if people in the greater Sacramento area want to contact you regarding, um, you know, decisions for their uh, loved ones or seniors and so forth, uh, how can they contact you? 
Um, they're more than welcome to go to our website, um, lifeoptionsforseniors.com, all spelled out. Okay. And, and all my contact information's there. Uh, they could fill out a form via online or they could contact me directly. All our phone numbers are on our website. And I'll be more than happy to help you in whatever way I can. So, or help them in whatever great. way so, I can. Great. So again, for people in the greater Sacramento area, if you would like to contact Alma, go to Life options for seniors all one word.com yes. and it's a it's a great website great testimonies oma and i think you are you have built and are building a tremendous legacy oh you're being kind thank you so much i i just hope i'm a good mom right now that's my main, <laughs> biggest focus but thank you so much i appreciate i appreciate well, i know big, it's going to be a challenge because summer now it's here so uh you gotta fill in for all the all the time which was, was for school <laughs> well you, all right. you're a great role model so i'll have to call and ask you for some advice and for well, my son yeah I, i'll tell you what not to do <laughs> <laughs> that's always helpful that's always helpful all right oh again thank you very much thank you have a wonderful day again after hearing oma i'm simply amazed that she felt that she did not have a worthwhile story to tell she hits on many key points in terms of legacy. She talks about the importance of family. She sees this from the perspective of being a mother to a young child. And also she sees it at, at her work on a daily basis. She sees the family dynamics when someone is nearing their life or when someone has reduced capacity. She talks about her true north. She feels that God had a specific plan and purpose in delivering her from Afghanistan. And she wants to fulfill that. She wants to uh, touch the lives of others. She's an entrepreneur, which I've always found fascinating, that narrative, that arc. These are people who are willing to take risks, people willing to go in a different direction, people who believe in themselves. At the same time, they're willing to take on the additional responsibility of being uh, or being someone's boss, but also in terms of meeting payroll to ensure that their employees get paid. I'm going to have other guests on, and there will be a theme about entrepreneurship, not exclusively, but that will be a focus because I think that helps bring into focus uh, the importance and the power of your legacy when you're building things and you're touching lives. I was remiss during the interview not giving her time to talk about her philanthropy, which is um, the organization uh, Adopt an Elder Foundation. She began as a board member and is currently an ambassador. This is a all-volunteer organization in the greater Sacramento area that provides financial and advocacy assistance to low-income, high-risk elders for safe housing, proper nutrition, and health care access. Uh, a very worthwhile venture and a natural extension of Oma's passion and purpose in terms of her work. Please visit adoptanelderfoundation.org. And for those of you that are uh, looking at resources to help a loved one in terms of uh, senior care, please go visit Oma's website. That's lifeoptionsforseniors.com. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope that you found Oma's story inspiring. 
please send your comments to me at my email address, rfong at truenorthshepherding.com. And if you know, not that you feel, but you know that you have a compelling story, that you have wisdom that you want to share, that you want to uh, talk about your legacy building, please contact me. And if you're interested in exploring how to build your legacy through design, I invite you to visit my website and sign up for a complimentary session on how we can work together in terms of discussing legacy, laying down the groundwork, designing something, and then being able to execute that design so that you can leave the legacy you want. My next episode, I'll be talking about Imagine sharing your legacy as a slide presentation. And we've all been through slide presentations. We've been through bad ones mostly. And this uh, episode will discuss how to take the skills uh, in terms of good, uh, good presentation and how to incorporate that into your legacy building. Until the next time, please give your legacy the time and attention it deserves because when you do, we all benefit. Thank you.